You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. I feel like... I feel like the Lord wants to really minister to some hearts, to us today, and and speak specifically to some heart things going on in our lives. And I know most of us know the story of Joseph, but in case you don't, I'm going to give a quick, a quick little, I don't know what the word is for it. And then we'll kind of pick up in the scripture verse that I want to touch on. But Joseph was a younger brother of a bunch of boys. And he was his father's favorite. The Bible says his father absolutely adored him. Loved him so much that he bought him or made him or got him a coat of many colors. Not his brothers, just him. He got to wear this coat around. And I'm sure that really helped with his favor among his brothers. And one day Joseph has a dream. And in this dream, he interprets that his brothers are bowing down to worship him. Or excuse me, bowing down to him, not to worship him. They're bowing down to him. And he tells his brothers this dream. And his brothers... They don't like it. As you can imagine, if you're a sibling, you'd be like, yeah, right. Like when pigs fly, right? Then he has another dream. And the dream he interprets to mean the exact same thing. And he tells his brothers again. And his brothers are like, go fly kite, you know? And then the brothers, they go out to the field and they go to take care of some sheep. And Joseph's father comes to him and says, I want you to go to the field, check on your brothers, see how they're doing, and then I want you to come back and report to me. Which means that Joseph was the little snitch, the tattletale, right? And so Joseph goes out to the field. He finds his brothers. I'm kind of short-forming this. You can read it. It's a really good story. And so he finds his brothers, his brothers see him coming, and they're like, oh, great, it's the little brat Joseph. And when they see him coming, they're like, you know what we should do? We should kill him. And they're like, yes, that's, what, that's a good idea, let's kill him. And so as Joseph is approaching, the oldest brother is like, uh, I don't want to be a part of none of that, but I don't want my brothers to know that I'm not cool with that. And so he says, hey, I got an idea. Let's throw him in a well and we'll just leave them and then like whatever happens happens but the bible says that he had a plan to come back later and get him out but he was like you know this way guys there's no blood on our hands we just oops i don't know what happened to our brother and so they're like that's a great idea we will do that so joseph shows up they throw him in a well and then they sit down to have lunch and they're eating lunch and all of a sudden they see these traders coming and as they're coming they're like better idea let's sell him let's trade him and we can sell him into slavery and then like he's there no blood has been shed there's no dead man it's just a guy who's been sold off and and so they do that they sell joseph into slavery 
And I mean, it doesn't say Joseph's reaction in all this, but you can imagine if you were Joseph, what that would have felt. You were party to seeing exactly what was going, going on. My brothers have devised a plan and they hate me that much that they have decided that it would be better off that I either be dead or gone and they sell him. And then they take his coat and they rip it up into pieces. They dump animal blood on it and they go to their dad and they're like, oh, look what we found. I mean, you can only guess what would happen. And, and his father just assumed that he was dead. Meanwhile, Joseph gets sold to Potiphar. And we're going to start there. In Genesis 37, uh, we'll go to 39, verse 1, and it says this. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing, except for what kind of food to eat. I love that line, except for what kind of food to eat. He liked food. And then it says, Joseph was very handsome and a well-built young man. I pull this out because as I was reading this, kind of reading between the lines of everything that Joseph had gone through in that moment, gone out to do what his father had asked him to do, and then met in the face of hatred of his brothers, of his family, of who he thought were maybe those he could trust sold and then sold into slavery when he was never a slave. But then all of a sudden in verse two, you see this is, yes, this is what happened, but the Lord was with Joseph. But the Lord was with him. And I felt like the Lord wanted us to know this this morning, that the Lord is with you. That there are many people going through many different things, that the Lord is with you. And then it goes on to say that he succeeded in everything that he did. Which is interesting to me because it wasn't, 
He wasn't with his family anymore. This wasn't like a good time. He was separated from everything that he knew, yet succeeding where he was. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And then he was succeeding so much that it said Potiphar, I, I underlined these in my Bible, it said Potiphar noticed and he realized and it was pleasing to him that he could see the Lord at work in his life. And I felt like the Lord want us to recognize that, that his favor is on us, like the song we just sang. That we are, we are to flourish and succeed no matter where, we're at, we, where we are, what part of our journey that we're on. And, and the fact that he was succeeding where he was, it was blessing the people around him. And Potiphar was noticing the God in him. And I, it made me think about the places in our, our life, where we are, and recognizing the business that you're in. You may be working for someone or you run your own business, that the favor and the influence in your life because God is with you changes the atmosphere where you are. That there may be things that are being held together because of the anointing on your life. And you may be like, it's just a job, it's just where, no, the Lord is with you everywhere that you go. And so when you walk into a place, we're gonna look at some more, some, some more things in a minute, but when you go into a place, the favor of the Lord is on you, that you affect the surroundings that are on you, that are around you. See, Joseph steps into a situation as a slave, but it begins to prosper the people around him because the Lord was with him. Let's go on. Let's keep taking a look. So then we read that it said that Joseph was really good looking and well built. I love how the Bible puts those things in. It kind of gives you a little description. Joseph was really good looking. And Potiphar had a wife. And Potiphar's wife thought that Joseph was really good looking as well. And it says that she began to lust after him. I think in this day and age we call it, she became thirsty. Anyone ever heard that? No? Okay, well, it's, it's, it's a saying. She, she began to lust after Potiphar, and so she would come on to him, and she would make advances at him, and, and Joseph would say, hey, listen, like, no, that, you know, I'm allowed to have everything, but definitely not you because you belong to Potiphar. You do not belong to me. This is not okay. And one day she devises an even bigger plan, and she goes after him like this was her shot, okay? And she goes after him, and Joseph runs away from her, and she grabs his coat. And so she's holding his coat, Joseph's out the door, and she starts screaming. And so people come to her, and they're like, what happened? And she's like, Joseph tried to rape me, which isn't what happened at all. He'd been trying to stay away from her, but she turned it on him. And so Potiphar finds out, He's done nothing wrong. And in fact, he's tried to keep his integrity the entire time. And Potiphar finds out about this and throws him in jail. 
Again, think about that. I made you succeed. I was doing everything for you. Like I wanted you to, I didn't do it. And now he's in jail. Now, once again, this situation seems really similar. I was doing what I was told. And here I am in prison. So Genesis 39, Potiphar, uh, verse 19, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and he threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Like no fair trial for him, he remained there. But then verse 21, it says it again, but the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. But no matter the surroundings, no matter what it looked like, Joseph or God was with Joseph. The Lord is with you. And I know like a lot of times that when things begin to happen, we think like, God, are you even there? Do you, do you even care? And then it says, and God showed him his faithful love. And I think that part's important because I think that Joseph goes through this transitional time of like, what the heck is actually my life right now? Like, how do I do all of these things? How is my heart actually trying to follow after God? And I am here right now. And God says he shows up and he was with him. But then not only that, he showed him his faithful love. That in the middle of darkness, in the middle of hard times, in the middle of brokenness, in the middle of not understanding what is going on, God is saying, I'm showing you my faithful love, Joseph. That you can, you can feel my love even in these dark times. Even when it doesn't seem like it was what it was supposed to be, I'm showing you my love. And I felt like the Lord today, this morning, would do exactly that for some of those, or maybe all of those that are just like, I am struggling. God's saying, I'm, I'm showing you. In fact, I, I heard him say this, I'm extending my embrace to you. That there are those who have been running actually scared. That, you, that, that you've been like, if I stop to process for a moment, I'm actually probably going to lose my mind. If I actually stop to assess the damage, I may break down. So I'm just going to, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep doing this because I'm not okay. And I heard the Lord say that I am extending my embrace to you today. And showing you my faithful love. See, my faithful love isn't just ooey gooey. My faithful love is strong. My faithful love is able to put you 
together again. My faithful love is able to hold you in the middle of a storm, in the middle of darkness. It's able to lead you. It's able to guide you. I'm able to hold you together in the middle of this. God is showing his faithful love. And then it says, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Even what seems like dark places, his favor is on you. Even in prison, God's favor was on Joseph. And I find this interesting because I think a lot of times when we go through storms and we go through dark places, dark seasons where we're like, I am struggling that this could not be the time of God's favor. That this hard time could not be the time where God is showing his favor on me. It is. God is with you. And I feel like this is even a word for the, the year that we're going into, that God is with you. No matter what you're battling, no matter what you're going through, God is with you. He's with me. And that even in the middle of, of, of storms and dark things and, and, and trying to find my way and, and you know, you're like, I just wish I could have what was. It was a happy time back then. Even in the middle of those places, there is purpose on your life. God's not withholding things from you. You're walking through it, but God says, I still have purpose right in the middle of it. It's not in the future. Once you get through this dark place, once you get through this dark time, then the purpose of God will unfold. No, your purpose is right now. You keep walking. He is with you. You see, Joseph is in the prison, and it's not what he thought. It's not the dream. It's not the prophecies. It's not how he thought it would be. But here he is in the middle of the prison, and we are able to look at the big picture and say, oh, I see how it all played out. God was setting him up the whole time, but Joseph didn't know that. But he was in the middle of purpose there. God was bringing people into his life. He was affecting Potiphar. Then he winds up in prison. Now he's running the prison, even though it's still prison, guys. He's still a prisoner. And then one day what happens is two of, the, two of Pharaoh's men, the cupbearer and the baker, they make Pharaoh mad and he throws them in prison. And so they're in prison and, and Joseph's down there running things. And one night they both have a dream and they're beside themselves with this dream. What does it mean? And so they come to Joseph and it says, you know what, I'll read it. it uh, Genesis 39. It says, uh, 39 verse 22. Nope. I skipped way ahead of myself here. I'm just going to back up for a second because there's something important I want to say here. Verse 22, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. 
Jordan had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. It's the favor of the Lord. And the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. See, a lot of times we're looking towards the future of when things get better, then that's God's favor on my life. Then that's the, that's God's purpose being unfolded instead of just recognizing that right now, the place where I am, God has not forgotten you. God sees you right in this moment and he is working his purposes and his plans in your life right now. And it says, and it caused him to succeed. And I wrote this down. Don't exclude yourself because of where you are right now. Because the Lord is with you. And the Lord will give you solutions. And I, and I know I've said this before, but I feel like that the Lord, if, if we will begin to seek the face of, of God in these moments, that the Lord is giving solutions, not only for you and for your family, but there are things as we intune ourselves to the spirit of God and listen to that there are solutions that God is handing out for big problems, even in our society and in our, in our world, that he is, he, he is causing things in his people to succeed because of the favor of God on his life. If we will look to him instead of looking to the situation, and saying, he must have left me. No, you're in purpose. You have purpose. Something that I, that I pray every morning comes from Isaiah 11. And in Revelations chapter 5, it talks about the sevenfold spirit of God. And in Isaiah 11, it talks about what those seven spirits are. And I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to break it down just for a moment so you can see what is on the inside of you, what you carry. Isaiah 11 says, Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. The seven spirits of God is the illuminating influence upon God's people. And so every morning I get up and I say, God, as I go about my day today, I lean into the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of might and the spirit of understanding and the spirit of counsel and the spirit of the fear of the Lord that I'm lead, led and guided by you, Holy Spirit, that those things would be illuminated to me, that I tap into those things as I speak with people, as I go about my day. I'm going to break it down for you just a little bit because this just blew my mind. The spirit of God will rest upon him. That's the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of extraordinary wisdom is the spirit of skillfulness. And this is, this is it broken down. It is the equipping ability for music, for art, for business, for writing, and wisdom for judicial, judicial decisions. It's the creativity. That the Spirit of God wants to be a part of our absolutely every moment of every day. The Spirit of perfect understanding is the Spirit of intelligent insight to decipher truth. To know the meaning of riddles and dreams, to decipher parables and allegories. The Spirit of wise strategy 
is the spirit of counsel and guidance and advice and purpose. It's for steering a ship. This anointing imparts the wisdom and counsel needed for spiritual leadership. It's the Holy Spirit. The spirit of mighty power is the spirit of a mighty warrior. The spirit of revelation is the spirit of knowledge. And this doesn't come from books or study, but it is a knowledge that comes from experiencing intimacy with God. And the last one is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And that is absolute loyalty to God. That the strategies and the insights that the Lord would give to us comes from that place. That the spirit of the Lord would speak to you about every single thing. You want to be creative? Come talk to me. I want to create with you. That we can step into these places. Okay. So now back to the cup baker, the cup bearer and the baker are thrown in to prison. And they ask him, they say, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Verse eight. And Joseph says to them, interpreting dreams is God's business. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. I love that because you recognize that he understands the spirit of God on the inside of him. Oh, you've got a dream you need interpreted. I can't do that. That's God's business. But tell me because God's at work in my life. That even in the middle of Joseph being locked up in prison, he is recognizing that there is something that God has him to do in that moment. That God, no matter what, I am available. And let me say this, that what God has us to do is never meant to be separate from people. It's always meant to be connected. And, and, and in this time, the enemy would want to isolate you and be really on guard with this, that he would want you to draw away from people or hide yourself. And maybe you're afraid of being hurt or maybe you're like, Ugh, I just, I, I got social anxiety and I don't wanna be around them. Listen, the enemy is endeavoring because if he can separate you, then you are weak, you are by yourself and then you're fair game. See, the reason why God put us all together, what does he call us? He calls us the army. God never sends one soldier out to fight a whole entire war by himself. That would be stupidity. He calls us the army together because we need each other. We're called the body of Christ because each piece needs to work together. Do not isolate yourself. In fact, we were just talking about this the other day. Even when you are an addict, one of, one of the things that they'll teach you is called a faster scale. And one of the things that you'll teach you is one of the first signs that you're about to, to use again is you'll begin to isolate. You'll begin to, you slide, you begin to, I just need to, 
be away. I just want to be away from people. Do not isolate in this time. Get around people. Lisa Bevere, I read this on um, Instagram just the other day, and I thought it was so fitting, but obstacles don't prevent you from your calling. They prepare you. And so what you're walking through in this time, you'd be like, I, I don't even know. I think I'm done. No, it's preparing you. Do you recognize when we read the story of Joseph, of all the things he was going through, when he was in the prison, it was his transition. God was setting him up. He, he went from his family to Potiphar's house, to ending up in prison, and he was being prepared at that time of transition for where God actually had for him to go. But he didn't know, but it was his transition time. And I just want to tell you that there's some of you that are going through something right now that seems so hard and so dark. I want to tell you, this is your transition time. God is preparing something in you. He has not given up on you. He is with you. So Joseph interprets the dream and he tells them, that one of you is going to die and the other one is going to live and that's kind of how it goes and so they end up going back and one dies and the cupbearer ends up living but before he sends them out he says to the cupbearer who he knows is going to live he says hey when you get up there if you just want to tell pharaoh about me i've been down here for a long time not my fault just want to throw in a word. Cupbearer is like, I got you, bro. As soon as I get up there, I'm going to tell him. He gets up there. He forgets. And the Bible says two years later. Come on, that's another blow for Joseph. I was doing God's business. I was, What? And he's waiting, and you know he's waiting like any day now, any day. And it's like, okay, it's been weeks, but soon, I know it, soon, months. Okay? And you know what God was doing that whole entire time? Showing him his faithful love. So Pharaoh has a dream. And no one can, can interpret it. He's asked all the dream interpreters, all the people, and nobody knows what he's talking about. And this is funny, so we're going to read it. And I'm from Genesis 41. Finally, remember two years later, finally the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today I have been reminded of my failure. <laughs> He told Pharaoh, some time ago, you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dream, and he told us what each of our dreams meant. 
And everything just, and everything happened just as he predicted. I was restored to the position of a cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and, and impaled on a pole. <laughs> Ouch. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph replied, it is beyond my power to do this. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. So there are things that God is calling us, calling us to. They're always beyond our power. It's the Holy Spirit within us. It's, it's us leaning into him. And so there's things that God's going to be like, I am, I've got this for you. And you're like, no, 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 that's not me. No, it's because it's the spirit of God in you. And so Joseph begins to interpret this dream for him. And he interprets it and he tells him there's going to be famine in the land. But first, there's going to be seven years of amazing crop, like bountiful. And then there's going to be seven years of severe famine. And so Joseph begins to give him solution. He begins to tell him this is what the strategy should be. And you know that this strategy comes from God to position him. And so this is what he begins to say, verse 33. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man. He's telling him this is what should happen. And put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouse, store it away, and guard it so there is food in the cities. That way, there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, the famine will destroy the land. So he gets this strategy from heaven. And then it says, verse 37, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of God? Come on. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dream to you, clearly no one else is intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all the people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on the throne, will have a higher rank than you. So Joseph is now promoted, noticing that the prison was his transition. couldn't help I couldn't help but read that story and think the cupbearer I don't know if he forgot or if it was God's ordained moment because it wouldn't have done him any good to tell Pharaoh about a dream interpreter in prison when Pharaoh didn't have any dream but suddenly there was an opportune moment 
where God caused a dream to happen in Pharaoh. And it's like suddenly the cupbearer is like, I have just remembered this moment. That God has ordained moments. And so even when we're walking through dark times, dark spaces, storms, whatever it is to recognize, I know this is an opportune. This doesn't look like what I thought it should, but God is with me. His favor is upon me. And so I don't know, I don't know what it's supposed to be or how it's supposed to go or what it's supposed to look like, but he is with me. And I know that in this moment, I have purpose. In this moment, he's still using me. In this moment, the favor of God is on my life. In this moment, he is with me. Joseph goes on to have two children. He names one Ephraim and the other one Manasseh. And Manasseh means forgotten my troubles and my hurts of things that have gone on. Come on. What's that say? Joseph was hurting. But God healed him. And then it says that Ephraim meant God has made me fruitful in the land of my grief. That even though this isn't what I thought it would look like, I'm still separated from my family. I'm still living in a foreign country. There is fruit that is coming forth. Fruit can come from painful places, guys. God can cause fruit to come from the places that you're at right now. I'm almost finished and I'm paraphrasing as much as I can, but you should read the story because it's so good. But eventually they had stored enough food and then the seven years of famine came and it was a seven bad years. The famine wasn't only in Egypt, the famine had spread everywhere and it was actually the famine had hit his family which was in another country. And it was bad, they had nothing. And so Joseph's family are like, you know what? We heard that Egypt has food. And so we will travel there. It was actually Joseph's father that said, boys, I want you to travel there and I want you to go get food. And so the boys travel there. There's a whole bunch of things that actually begin to happen, but you can read that in your own time. The boys travel there and they're standing in front of Joseph. They have no idea it's their brother. And they're standing in front of him and it's this beautiful moment because Joseph can't contain himself. He knows it's his brothers. He's leaving the room to break down crying because it's this beautiful moment of redemption right in front of his eyes and he can't believe this is it. This is how God made the whole story work out. And so he's standing there and he sees his brothers and, and, and they're asking for food and finally he tells them, guys, it's me. And they're like, what? <laughs> You read the story and you see that they had guilt and shame on them that they carried their whole lives. And so they're, they're like, what? It's, and he's like, it's me, the one that you sold. Like, oh my gosh. And this is what he says to them. Genesis 45, verse five, don't be upset. And don't be angry with yourself. for selling me to this place. 
It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your life. The famine that had ravaged the land for two years will last five more years. There will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has set me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. He has this moment, it, all of those things, it wasn't you. It was God. He knew exactly what he was doing. And it wasn't just about Joseph. It was about his family. It was about his people. It was about his lineage. It was so much bigger than Joseph could even wrap his head around. He's like, it, it wasn't you. I'm sure there were times that Joseph blamed them. And should they have done it? No. Is that cool? No. But God turns this around. It says, I don't, wherever you walk, wherever you go. I think there's a verse in Isaiah that's like, if you, if you walk through the waters, I will be with you. If you walk through the fire, I will be with you. I don't care where you are, I'm with you. I don't care what they do to you, I am with you. I know the plans that, that, that I have for you. I'm with you, I'm walking with you. I don't care what it looks like, what kind of storm, I am with you. ordaining every single step. And I feel like I feel like that God is wanting to equip us. That sometimes when the when we get to the unknown places, the 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 hard places, it's like I I've lost my way can't see my way? Is God mad at me? Or I can't even understand how I could really endeavor to do everything right and still end up here. And God says, no, I'm with you. My favor is on you. I'm going to read one last verse that in John, and can I just get the praise and worship team to come, please? I know it's getting late. Just hold on, because I really believe that the Lord is actually, is actually causing something to break off of our lives. Sometimes when there is, sometimes when it's been hard times, there are thoughts sometimes that go on in our heart and in our lives that we don't even recognize are there and, and we end up to kind of get bound in it. 
And I feel like the Lord is breaking something off in us. And like there's a breaker anointing that's about to take place this morning. That there's a realization that the equipping and the strengthening that's coming into us is the realization that God is with me. And that we're going to walk into this new year and no matter what takes place, we are going to recognize that God is with me and the favor of God is on my life. And I have purpose in the places that I go and I am being used by God. And it doesn't have to be an ideal situation to be used by God, that I am seen and that I am known and that he is using me in the places that I am. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get stuck in the fact that it looks like darkness all the way around me. I'm going to lift my eyes up. I'm going to get the strategy from the Lord. I'm going to get creative ideas from the Lord. I'm going to get propelled into the things of the Lord because I realize he is with me. Last verse, John 6, verse 16. It says, that evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell, and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. I want you to just notice they're looking for him, and darkness fell. So they got into the boat, and the storm says a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. And they were terrified. Jesus knew where they were the whole time. He still saw them. And this is what he said. Do not be afraid. I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. And I felt the Lord say this over us today Do not be afraid. I am here. And then it says, They were eager. It's like, Oh, thank God. You are here. You do see, you do know. They were eager to let him in. That this would be the word that we carry. That no matter what we encounter, I don't need to be afraid. Because he is here. He is here. going to go into this last song that we sang. We're just going to sing it. And I, I just want you to say over your own soul, he is here. He's here. If I walk through the fire, he's here. If I walk through the, the, the waters, I will not be overcome. He's here. No matter what I go through, he's here. He's with me. His favor is on me.
And so I just declare this morning over you that there is a strengthening where the enemy has tried to get in and tried to lie to you and try to say that God has removed himself from you, where you have felt alone, where you felt like you were walking alone, where you felt like the fire was burning you. I just cause restoration. I declare restoration to come into you today. And I declare that there is a strengthening that is coming to you, a boldness and a courage that is taking place that you will stand up and you will be strengthened in your inner man. You will not back down. You will not sit down. You will not go into hiding, but you will come forth and you will rise up and be the people of God that he has called you to be. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord shines around you and his favor is upon you. So I'm just going to get you to stand up for a moment. We won't take much longer, but I want you to know that the For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.